back quicker than you can say Kennedy and Chekawani. It's Monday. Your boys are back in town. Back in the saddle again. I'm coming to you straight from Indiana. The the state where you blink and you miss it. Meanwhile, <laughs> it feels the, man the on, same over here. <laughs> uh, the man on my left is coming to you straight from the king of the Midwest, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Look, Dominic, you could say that, but I think Ohio is uh, worth a little more than that. I think Ohio's the they're the top dog of the Midwest over there. That's it's the way a, I look at it. So it's a nifty little state. It's our first love, right? You know, yeah, exactly. born and raised. But Dominic, how are you feeling? We had three cards this weekend: PFL, Bellator, UFC. You graduated with your master's degree. So, is there a term for that? Like, do I have to call you Doctor Dom now, or like? Uh, uh, yeah. So I'll probably just add it to my bottom <laughs> name right here. Dominic Salee, MBA. Yeah, yeah MBA. You know. No, I'm yeah. just kidding, guys. Here um, soon, the doctorate's gonna come. Doctor Dom. Doctor Dom. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Dom. Uh, I appreciate it. Noah showed some love on the uh, on the Twitter for me, and I, I do appreciate that. And Instagram actually posted on there too. What a guy. Um, but yeah, not much has changed. It's so weird, right? Like I'm done with school. But it hasn't set in because it's one of those weird summer sessions where there's still another portion. So I got to wait to, like, get my paper in the mm-hmm. mail and all walk and meet the, the, the dean and all that shit. Shout out Dr. Rogers. Rodney? Rogers? Rodney. Rodney. <laughs> Rodney Rogers, you know, our. Yes, it's RR. Yes. I was, I was saying both, thinking that that's his. The guy that's the head of the whole school. Yeah. I have a picture with him. Anyways, I just terrible representation of the school there but anyway i'm here to talk about the ufc the bellator the pfl results with my friend noah and uh it was just jam-packed i'm a little bit fight hungover but nothing crazy compared to the last two weeks which thank goodness i can't keep doing it every sunday it's a wear and tear on the body on the mental but yeah it was a good weekend how was your weekend Noah? over to the west of me i uh, just got out of a shower like 30 minutes ago literally just had to pull myself out of bed to do this so if that tells you how my fight hangover is going it's it's not been easy it's it's the three cards man it just yesterday was a it was i felt like a marathon runner yeah yeah don't laugh anybody listening i i know that sounds a little crazy for someone like me to say but i realized dominic it's time for me to invest in a second tv for the living room yeah i can't cannot keep doing one on the TV and one on my laptop. So I had the PFL on the TV. I had Bellator on the laptop. I'm also live tweeting both cards. Yeah. So I mean, I'm going one fight's ending, another's <laughs> beginning. While yeah. I'm typing the tweet for PFL, all Someone of a sudden else is a getting knocked out. out. <laughs> it, 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 guys, it was, it was an absolute marathon yeah. of a Friday. I wouldn't have it any other way because, truthfully, I mean, that's that's the best way you can experience yes. some of that content is just, like, nonstop. It just yeah, soaking stop. it in. Yeah. But I, I need another TV. And I was thinking, I'm like, man, football season's coming up. Like, I don't want to have to do this for football season. Like, so I you're going to have to buy TV. three TVs. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Don't, Don't tempt, tempt me. me. Okay. Yeah, you know that's what I would say. I mean, yeah. Did the student loans send me some emails like, "Hey, you got to start paying July 14th"? Oh shit. Maybe. <laughs> but so kind of a downer. Yeah, yeah. When you're trying to make a TV budget, um, right? But you know what? 
I will persevere. That's, that's will. what I was saying. If anyone will, it's you, my friend. Yep. And uh, Dominic, I feel like a winner. You feel like a winner. We all feel like winners. That's because the main event of UFC, Vegas 57 at the Apex, saw what was a terrific five-round battle mm-hmm. between Matos Gamrot and Armand Saryukian. Gamrot does get his hand raised. Unanimous decision victory for him. Five rounds, just a grueling fight, grueling pace that both guys put on. Brutal strikes to the body from Saryukin. Uh, Gamrod just had that un, un, what's the word? Like he didn't quit with his pressure from yeah. going for the takedowns, yeah. scrambles. It was a fantastic fight. Very. I'm much. just gonna and I'm just gonna put this out there now. Look, there was some controversy with the scoring, a controversy that in my opinion, isn't as talked about as it probably should be. But I'm just going to put this out there because I don't want this to be what we really focus on here. Right. Get it out of the way early. Ultimately, the scoring of this fight, I think, was an absolute sham. If you scored the fight for Matos Gamrot, more power to you. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to act like I know fights better than you. If anything, I probably know him <laughs> scoring a lot less than you based on what we've seen the last few weeks. But... Um, the three judges got this fight wrong. Armand Saryukin clearly won the majority of the rounds in this fight. They should be ashamed of themselves. They have robbed a man. Oh, I did say it. Wasn't planning on saying it, but I did. They robbed a man of a victory. Half of his purse gone. And I just hate, I don't like that. I don't like that a guy that, I, that clearly wins a fight has to walk away with a loss, less of a paycheck, etc., they should be ashamed of themselves. But I'm not going to let them win. I'm not going to let these terrible judges guide our discussion in a direction that I do not want it to go. Because ultimately, Dominic, what we got in this main event was one of the most highest of level MMA bouts of the year between yep. two guys who are ranked number 11 and number 12 in their divisions. And they went out there and proved they are much better than the 11th and 12th ranked lightweight in the world so we're not going to let the judges win here we're just i put it out there how i feel i think it was a robbery but both guys come out of this looking so good that it really doesn't matter i guess in some ways okay so that being said your thoughts on the fight dominic kind of where does it stack up in terms of some of the best fights of the year in your opinion and Maybe also just to kind of get the ball rolling on the discussion. What surprised you about this fight? We learned a lot about both guys. Saryukin, the first time he went 25 minutes, you saw this fight was mostly fought on the feet, and that's Mm -hmm. something that Gamrod has not been used to. You know, what surprised you? Was there anything that maybe disappointed you about either guy's performance? Just where, where, where does your mind go when you break down this fight? Yeah, absolutely. No disappointment anywhere. These guys checked all the boxes. They made this fight as good as you could have expected. Honestly, way more than what I expected. Uh, It was just so nonstop. The pace in which they fought was so insane, and neither guy really wore it too bad. Even in that fifth (laughs) round, I mean, I would say Gamrot stayed a little bit more fresh, but Saryukin was still right there with him the whole time, man. It was just such a back-and-forth Again, like Noah said, just some of the most high-level MMA we've seen of 2022. Definitely in that fight of the year list right now. Um, and there's there's so many in it. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, this is the halfway point of the year, right? And what a way to go out. This is three amazing back to back to back UFC main events in a row. I can only hope that it stays that way going into international fight week this coming Saturday to me, man, like, you know, the 11 versus 12, they are way better than that. These, they looked like top five lightweights, dare I say last night. Um, they, they were just so ultra impressive. The skill sets are just so complete for both guys. And even more so again, for Saryukian only being 25 years old, man, mm-hmm. and his only losses in the UFC was a short notice uh, razor thin fight with Islam Makachev, and now another um, razor thin decision to Matos Gamrod, who's another up and comer in himself, just a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. So it was just such an amazing fight. So many great takeaways that what these guys did, what they put on display for the fans, should outweigh any scorecard, should outweigh any you know critiques and cries and all this shit like just let that go aside these were two uh, amazing martial artists at their peak at their prime performance last night um and you don't get to see that very often so this was a a very special fight it was it, it was and we had been really in support of this being the main event so it's yep. nice to just see that it fully delivered the fight yes. delivered both guys come out here looking like absolute studs regardless of you know the, the scorecards aside, these guys were ranked number eleven and number twelve. They're going to walk away from this being ranked number eleven and yeah, number twelve. They're just, just going to flip. Yep. But I, in my opinion, Dominic, when it comes to like matchmaking, these guys, you get we got to look both of them ahead. Both, both have to be them. top ten. Yeah, both have to be competing for top. 10, if they get top a top five, five guy, that's fine too. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'll just say a little bit about the fight itself. Um, kind of what led me to sort of have my my opinion on this fight is uh, Saryukian. I mean, this fight was fought mostly on the feet. Yes. And it felt like Matos Gamrot, what it felt like his game plan was, was he was letting Armand sort of throw his strikes. A lot of body kicks were being thrown. Brutal yes. body kicks, by yes. the way. Um, a lot of good uh, combinations from Armand. So quick. It looked like Gamrot maybe got caught doing a little bit of window shopping through certain rounds because it felt like he was waiting for Armand to make some sort of a mistake, some sort of opening that he could pounce on and get a takedown off of and try to get the back and maybe get a submission. Um, It just didn't happen for him really, not until the later rounds. So you found in the early rounds, because those are the ones that Armand clearly won, rounds one and two, where it felt like... You know, Gamrod just wasn't very... He didn't have a high level of output, and I think that was just because, for one, he was a bit outmatched on the feet. Yeah. But I don't think he really even was... Again, I don't think he was really even throwing much out there. I thought Armand was just much more active and obviously had much more behind his strikes and was landing at a much more efficient clip. Now, I think the biggest weapon that Gamrot had in this fight was that gas tank. He is a guy that former M1 uh, champion. KSW. KSW, sorry. KSW champion. So he's went five rounds before, and it showed. Armand, to his credit, looked good even in rounds four and five, but definitely it slowed compared to Matos Gamrot, who despite taking the blunt of the punishment, I thought, was like as fresh as could be. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it just really showed in rounds four and five how what a hell of a chin he has and his ability to take punishment. I mean, the body strikes, like you thought one of those might put him down, mm-hmm. and they really didn't. 
A couple of them definitely kind of had him, you know, you could tell that he didn't like it. But in rounds four and five, I mean, that dude was still just going for it, going for those takedowns, just would not give it up and started to secure him once Armand started to slow a little bit. Um, It was a fantastic fight. It really heightened both guys' skill sets. Like, it really heightened their strengths, showed how good their strengths are. The grappling uh, exchanges where both would be on the ground were kind of a marvel to watch. Yes, beautiful. Um, In a lot of ways, it answered certain questions about both guys. You know, we had questions about how Armand would do over five rounds. We had questions on Gamrot, who... Maybe those questions may still be there a little bit, like, but really it's not. Like to me, yes, it's I, this fight proved that he is a bit limited as a striker, but that but it not really in matter. like a like that's the thing because his grappling is so good that it almost makes up for they small like it, very minimal difference in striking. You know, like I well there I, I mean say, I thought I thought Armand was quite a bit better of a striker. I'm just yeah. are you saying you? Don't think that, or you no, like he, Armin was clearly the better striker, but the grappling of Gamrot in this fight, but in general, just in going forward, can make up for any gap that he may have I, against other opponents. I agree to a certain extent. I agree because I think that a lot of his opponents are going to be so concerned with the takedown that it's going to give him a lot of openings on the feet. It didn't really do that here because Armin just, I mean, you saw when his ability to maintain balance in some of those takedown attempts was crazy. But um, I do think against certain opponents, even higher ranked opponents, I think Matos Gamrot's going to give him a lot of problems with his takedowns, and ultimately that'll give him openings on defeat. Yes. But it is still a limitation for him. And I would argue that with the way the, the scorecards are supposed to be written out damage is key damage is number one I do wonder how he'll do if he's not able to get like a submission finish and he has to require and it requires him to go 15-25 minutes of you know damage comparison between him and his opponent I'm not sure how many times he's going to be able to say he put more damage on his opponent than vice versa do you get what I'm saying oh yeah for sure for sure so I do think there's still a question mark for him in that in that facet but it doesn't matter right now because I think that both these guys are true top 10, maybe even top five lightweights in the world. And Dominic, this is where it's going to get a little fun. I think we should talk about what fights we think might be ahead for both these guys. Yeah. yeah. Should I start with Matos Gamrod or do you have is there you one shall. you want to get out you there? You shall. Yeah. And this is, this is my ambitious one. I'll be honest. Right now, Matos Gamrod probably going to be ranked number 11 come Tuesday. What did you hear his call out? I guess first question, real quick. No, I did not. He wants Gaethje. Okay, well that's not who I'm giving. Okay, okay. But I'm still being ambitious, but maybe not as ambitious as Gaethje. I'm going Benil Darius. Benil Darius is kind of the odd man out in this top of the heap (laughs) at lightweight. Very much so. Benil Darius ranked number six right now. He's kind of fallen just a couple. Well, I felt like he was ranked number two or three not too long ago, and He's sort of just fallen out of favor, I guess, due to a lot of the shakeups in that top of the heap. Um, Darius should be in a position where he wins one more fight and he gets a title shot. 
But unfortunately, I don't see where, unless he's fighting Islam Makachev next, because it's kind of, we don't really know our next title fight. Yeah. We assume it's Islam Charles. But Dana, every time Dana talks, it's that how much he loves Islam Benil as a fight. Right. So if Islam Benil doesn't happen, and, you know, Benil just kind of ends up being the odd man out in these matchups, him and Matos Gamrod, I think, is a super intriguing fight. An absolute just marvel of a fight. Yeah. And there might be a question mark on is that really the win that gives him a title shot? Kind of depends on how he looks. And honestly, who's to say that even if Benil fought, like, I don't know, if he fought the winner of RDA and Yeah. You know, who's to say him winning that would give him a title fight? Yeah. There's these guys in front of him, you know, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Islam, Michael Chandler. They all have sort of bigger names right now, have more. I don't want to say more momentum because Benil is running a lot of momentum if if, if you've been paying attention. Yeah. It's just um, he's in a tough spot. But I think, and I know it's not a fight that he probably is going to want to take. But that's the one that I'm going to put out there, him and Matos Gamrot. Yeah, I love that fight. I think it's really one of the only ones you can do for Gamrot anyways, and it's one that would launch him into near the top five territory amongst those contenders. And for me, matchmaking for the loser, even though, again, no losers in this fight, but Armand Saryukian, I think it's uh, actually pretty great. I think the timeline's pretty great that he fights the winner of Brad Rydell and Jalen Turner uh, this week at International Fight Week. Those guys are fighting for that top 14, top 15 spot. I would imagine, I feel like Armin can still fight upward. It's just a matter of having an opponent there for him, and that I just don't think is there yet. Maybe someone in the RDA physique, depending on how that goes in two weeks. But I really like uh, Armand versus Rydell and Jalen Turner winner. Well, spoiler alert, I'm going to put Armand against the winner of RDA Fiziev. The I like, winner. Hey, I like both. The winner. Okay. You could argue it could be the loser because he did lose here. Yeah. But I refuse to accept that. I'm right. I'm treating this as a win for both guys. Right. A, a la Jose Aldo losing to Marlon Marais. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am treating this as a victory. And you can't do there's nothing you can do about it. So Armand title shot. No, I'm just kidding. I'm yeah. just kidding. I do think though I mean the winner of Fazaya of RDA though versus Armand, I mean that is a just Sick. five round fight for sure. Yes. I mean Yeah. That's a that's a great fight, but I, I do I, I, I think I think your Jalen Turner Brad Rydell fight's a, a great one. I just when you said it, it kind of deflated me a little bit because I'm like, man, I know. We're really sending Armand back to like the, you know, like I just don't. I thought he won this fight, right, right. Clearly treating it as fight. such. Yeah. So if any, so if anything, I would say Matos game. Like you know, it's almost like I'm almost wanting to double down and go. Well, Matos Gamrod should take that fight yeah. because yeah. even though he won. He didn't really win, but, you know, that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with both. I love both. And uh, the good thing is they're back-to-back. We're going to see them the next two yeah. weeks, and we're going to know uh, hopefully soon. So, yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the co-main event of the evening, Dom. Any Jeez. more questions, anybody? I mean, <laughs> come on, guys. This is <laughs> this is crazy, fair. man. This guy's fucking scary. Shavkat Rachmanov. Shuts out Neil Magny for the better part of two rounds before, with two seconds left in the round, gets the submission victory. It was a guillotine, right? Yes. Guillotine choke to end it off, and that's the second time Shavkat's gotten a guillotine in the UFC, and both times have just, out of nowhere, just got it. I mean, he is very opportunistic with that. 
That submission game, that's a dangerous man right there. Oh, and to Six. do it against Neil Magny, who mm-hmm. is so seasoned, and yeah. new, like his corner's like 10 seconds, 10 se-, and he tapped with two left. Like, I he think it tells you wrong. how yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, full credit to Neil Magny for taking this fight, but it wasn't close. No. It really wasn't. No. Uh, Rachmanov easily got takedowns in rounds one and two. And in round one, you know, it was. He was landing some shots, but not a whole lot happened. It was, Neil was able to, you know. Neil was able to to uh, minimize yes. the amount of damage that Shavkat could do. There was that. There was a really. I was kind of. I almost thought Shavkat was being a little too, um, like laid back or a little yeah. too calm. Like yeah. in some of the, when, when once the legs were being grabbed and stuff, I'm like. Are you sure you want to be like? He, he was just, just chilling, like looking like, at. Like, are him. you sure you want to do that? Because I feel like, because I always freak out at the idea of being put in a heel hook or yeah. something. That scares the shit out of me. Yeah. So whenever I see someone even remotely close to that, I'm like, get out of there! It's gonna Come break. On. <laughs> but round two, once again, gets the takedown. Had a much better time getting the damage that he was looking for, and then literally it came out of nowhere, just in a sprawl. He just yeah. latches onto that head, and it's it's done. And, um, you know, we, we said a lot about Shafkai coming in here. You know, this was his first big test. We thought a win here and kind of the sky's the limit. Dominic said it on a tweet. How high can Shafkai fly? Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, we're going to find out because they put him in a co-main here for a reason, Dom. I don't actually have, like, a matchup in mind for him next. I'm sure you do. Yeah. But I, all I'm going to propose it better be five rounds. Shafkat needs his first main event next. It's the kind of main events that we talk about wanting where they actually add something or there's something at stake. There's something we learn. And putting Shavkat in a five-round fight, you know, Dominic, I, the, the, the most reasonable question mark to have about him moving forward, if you have a question about him, <laughs> is going to be how does he hold up over five rounds? How does the cardio yeah. hold up? Because he's never even been to a third round. So yeah. it's like, how do we even know? But Dominic, he looked so fresh here. He's so stoic. He, just like, like, he, di- he didn't even look to be nonchalant. That I don't even think I have a question about him going five rounds. <laughs> I don't. I don't at all. But Dominic, but, do you have a matchup in mind? I do. Well, it has to be a main event, as you said. That has to be a stipulation in the contract. has to be five rounds. has to be by the end of the year because I want him to fight again in 2022. He called out Stephen Thompson, by the way. He called out Stephen Thompson. That's a great fight, but I want him to main event against Vicente Luque. One spot ahead. It's a guy that's probably more realistic to say yes to that fight because Luque will fight anyone. Uh, Wonderboy, I don't think he's going to be interested in fighting Shavkat, just to put it lightly. Not that he's, like, afraid or anything. He's just like, what does Wonderboy have to prove? He's 38, 39 years old. He probably knows his best days are behind him. Luke probably still feels he can reach a title shot. I think that's a fight that Luke would accept. I think it's a guy that can bring the dog out of Shavkat if we even get a chance to see the dog be brought out in Shavkat. So, yeah, I think I think that's what you have to do next. There's a lot of guys. I mean, fuck, dude. I could launch him all the way in with Gilbert, to be honest. I just I don't want to do that. Just would it yet. change your mind if, if Jeff Neal beats – Luke A in August, would that change your mind? Oh, I forgot that fight was booked. Like, if Jeff Neal wins, are you saying, well, maybe Jeff Neal? Or do you think Luke A is just the guy due to the matchup? Man, what is Jeff Neal right now? He's 12. 12? He's fighting. I forgot that fight was booked, brother. Oh. Uh, 
I guess I can just go winner of that fight, but Luke still just intrigues me so much more than like a win over Jeff Neal would do for Shopcott. Mm. That even honestly makes me want him fight Thompson more, just because I don't want to like wait. When's that fight in August? Yeah, that could be a war. Wonder Boy's had some time off. Here's my opinion on the matter because you just brought this up. So, um, our buddy Branson sent yeah. us his two-year layout for the welterweight division, which yeah. was very impressive. He he really yeah. Really dove into the X's and O's, how he sees the welterweight division moving the next two years. My only issue I had with his layout, and I mean, it's all obviously like he knows most of that's probably not going to happen just because things change, injuries happen, you know, it's hard to predict. But my my one thing that I held against it, I said was, I don't think Shavkat's going to be fighting soon. I think he's. I don't. Nobody's going to want to fight him. I know, nobody's man. going to accept a fight with him. It's I not know. going to happen. Wonder Boy will not take that fight. I don't think so. At his age and the kind of fights that he's looking for, where he sort of recognizes that a title fight probably isn't going to happen. Yeah. But like he might be clamoring for like a Jorge Masvidal rematch. You know, Jorge always had interest in running that fight back. If you have that kind of fight, maybe that you're looking at. Why would you ever take a fight with Shavkat Rachmanov, who is maybe the best fighter in this whole division, and we just don't know it yet? I just changed um, my mind, by the way. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna propose uh, he fight Bilal Muhammad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad that, that was that so genuine <laughs> reaction right there. Um, you know, I just, I think that him and Bilal, man, I think, I think that, uh, how do do I word this without, (laughs) oh man, okay, is that fight going to happen? Probably not. Bilal's probably going to get like a, I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I have a hard time seeing Bilal getting a, a, the fight that he's probably going to want. So I could see him being that he's ranked number five in a division, struggling to get it matched up with someone ahead of him. I could see him having to take a fight behind him. Now, is he going to accept the fight with, uh, with, with our boy here? Um, probably not. Shafkat. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> You know, Dom, I would just love to see that matchup. I just think that right. would be just a great fight. Right, right. Um, I, I quit, man, We're just going off on a tangent here. But I want to erase everything that I said in the first half of this conversation. <laughs> okay. uh, I don't want Luke. I don't want Thompson. And this could be wrong, but we just saw a matchup in Saryukian and Gamrot headline this event. I want the battle of unbeaten. Someone knows got to go. Sean Brady, Shopcott, five-round main event. That's what I want. Mm. As much as I want both to fight ahead, fuck it. If no one else is available and they're no. free, do that. If everyone else is going to say no, it's Sean just Brady so funny. might even say it's no. It's so funny because Sean Brady just said, because he got called out by, uh, who did he get called out by? Kevin Holland. Yeah, Kevin Holland called him out. And he said he would take that fight, but that he's got a matchup about to be announced for August, I think. So once Son again, Dominic. <laughs> So once again, Dominic, you're uh Shopcott, Kevin Holland, main event, five rounds. Oh boy, you know Kevin Holland would, Kevin Holland take that would fight. definitely take that fight. But yeah. I don't think he should. I don't think he. Should, I don't think he should take that fight. 
It's, yeah, it's look, clear Shavkat main event someone, please. He needs a big fight, and yes. it needs to be a main event. I just think we're going to – it's going to be like with Hamza, how it took us forever to see him again until he fought Gilbert Burns. Well, not really. It took – there was that big hiatus before he fought the Leech, and that was a lot of, like, COVID and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it felt like Gilbert was just the right guy at the right time. But Hamza would have been waiting forever if that matchup wasn't there. I mean, just because some of these guys ain't going to take this fight. There's Shavkat is unfortunately his name value is still not super high, but he's also maybe the most dangerous guy in the whole division. So like, what's in it for some of these guys to take that fight? Yeah, I don't know. So no, but I, you are... know what? I think Bilal Muhammad would really, uh, you know, I think that right. could really be the fight for him. Right, right. Um, so just. <laughs> There's, we are officially six months through the MMA calendar year. We've got six months left. We don't see Shavkat fight again in 2022 is your kind of thought process right now? I'm going to say no. Yeah, that's but I bet so it'll sad. Be, I bet it'll be early next yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad, but you probably won't even realize it <laughs> until he gets announced. Yeah. The MMA calendar moves so fast that December is yeah. going to be here before we know it. and. You know, I, it, it is disappointing, but, um, you know, it, to, he, he's off to a great start this year. I could be wrong. For all I know, next week he's going to get announced. And then you yeah. can clip this and make yeah. me look like an idiot, like Dominic is one to do. But um, I just I, I just have a hard time seeing the the, the, the recipe here of, of a absolute killer 16 wins, 16 finishes, split evenly. Yes, 8-8. Eight eight. Yeah. Just a beautiful record. Right it's, it is. Um, he's kind of ranked. His, his rank does not represent his talent. No, not at all. His name value is very low. He is the literal nightmare for any of these guys ranked above him. Yeah. I mean, Someone's going to have to take it. Someone. And I hope it's Bilal Muhammad. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I think that would just be a... Fantastic. Ball of a fight. Right, right. But if not, like someone's going to lose in these in these upcoming matchups and somebody's going to fall out of favor where it's like they are forced to take that fight if they want to continue moving forward. Yeah. You know, Sean Brady's an interesting one because, yes, he's undefeated, but let's say he loses his August matchup with, I don't know who he might be fighting, um, but let's say he loses that fight. Well, in order to kind of, jump right back in there, he might need to take a fight with a guy like yeah. Shavkat, you know? Yeah. So it, it, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. What the the lay of the land will change over the next six months, but I have no doubt that Bilal Muhammad, being that he is so, right. you know, he, he, is, he is a gangster, that he is going to be willing to take that fight if he's a real man, you know? Right. Bellator 282 happened this weekend as well. <laughs> so, well, more on this. I never segue. That felt weird. <laughs> more on this UFC card to come. You did a pretty good job there, Dom. So. Thanks. <laughs> so, Bellator 282 happened this weekend as well. And we have a new middleweight champion. Wow. And it's Kennedy and Chekwani. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's, a, wow. it's a Johnny Evelyn. Johnny Evelyn gets it done. He not only defeats Gegard Mousasi, Dom, he shuts him out. Yeah. Yeah. In in baseball terminology, I was watching a little bit of baseball this weekend. Kind of a random side note. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Astros did like a combined no hitter on the. Oh Yankees. yeah, I saw that. You know, 
That's what Johnny Evelyn did to Gegard Mousasi. It was a no-hitter. It was the equivalent of a no-hitter, really. Yeah. Like, Gegard, I don't know what it was. This just, Gegard just looked flat here. And I think we got the best Johnny Evelyn we've seen up to this point. Yeah. And he, I mean, he rose to the occasion and pounced on the opportunity. The new champion of the world, Dominic. I'm curious to know, like, when watching this, your thoughts on kind of as it was transpiring, did you feel like, were you kind of questioning, did it feel like Gegard didn't show up, maybe like the Gegard we had just seen against Vanderford, or do you think that Johnny Evelyn was just having so much success that he was able to kind of make Gegard look like that? You know, what was kind of your opinion while watching? Um, I think it almost has to be like a perfect mixture of the two, because when we've uh, discussed... Look right. at Dominic, right? <laughs> Because Dom, when Dom, Dom, I asked Dominic a yes or no question, he goes, well, it's actually got to be a little bit in the middle. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because when we've discussed Yeager before the, these like last two title defenses he's had, we've kind of posed the question of, well, the fight years and the age has to catch yeah. up to him at some yeah. point. You know what I mean? And it hasn't. He's dominated young up-and-comers, an undefeated Austin Ford, John Salter, you name it. He's beating people convincingly, by the way. This time... It didn't quite go the same way, but Johnny Evelyn had a perfect game plan. Once I think he found where the success lied in the first round, he rode that shit to the promised land for the remainder of the 25 minutes. He clipped uh, Yeagard in the first round or hurt him in the first round. I think it was yeah, in the first round. Yeah. And I don't even think it was anything too devastating, but I, just, I don't know. Maybe Yeagard couldn't recover fully, and he, I mean, at some point you've got to just get gassed from getting taken down and dragged and beat up for five rounds. Evelyn's gas tank's unreal if he can do that for 25 minutes to get someone so experienced um that's just so many takeaways for him on that end i'll be curious to see kind of what comes next too with the way this division plays out but yeah for johnny evelyn to as noah said again pitch a no hitter damn near a perfect game there might not have even been a walk noah in baseball <laughs> terms um was very impressive because it's something i didn't see coming we we i i kept drilling the narrative musasi has seen it all what are these young guys gonna do that have five six times less experience and then johnny eplin goes out and does this i mean it, it has to happen to everyone at some point maybe that's just what it was for yegard i don't know i was still leaning the gate towards gegard in our conversation thursday but i did make it a point to say like guys you gotta stop putting him in this box johnny eplin that is that he's just another austin vanderford like yeah. they're just just because it's a wrestler with the undefeated record that's good, but like, you know, 12 and 0 right. doesn't compare to the experience. Austin Vanderford walked so Johnny Evelyn could run. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, you know, Johnny Evelyn, I, I didn't think he was going to win this fight. I didn't. But I I'd have thought for a long time that the, the really the way he fought Gegard here. This was kind of how I thought Gegard's run would come to an end. I thought a wrestler that could really just bring that pressure and really be confident in his capabilities to get it done, not be too overwhelmed by the striking of Gegard yeah. Musasi, just kind of fight through the fire. I really thought that would be the kind of guy to end the title reign, and that's truly what happened here. And I, I'm surprised it was in such one-sided fashion. It was a, It was an interesting fight because it's like, Johnny Eblen dominated the entire fight, but, you know, it wasn't like he beat down right. Gegard. He did it with wrestling. He didn't – it's not like he did some all-time um, 
all-time ground and pound job or it was just like a deep water but it was an impressive performance for sure Um, now we have a young middleweight champion undefeated good chance that this guy's gonna start getting hyped up um be curious to see i mean bellator you know if there's one thing i think of when i think of bellator it's promotion right marketing uh, for sure (laughs) so yeah um I'll be curious to see like if they really buy into him as champion. Now, the first question, Dom, mm-hmm. on as far as Johnny Eblen as champion, do you run this fight back with Gegard due to Gegard having, what was it, four title defenses? Mm. I feel like every time there's a title fight in Bellator, like, ah, do we run it back? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, Gegard... He won. He came in, won the title, had a title defense, lost the title, came back, won the vacant title, has defended twice. This would have been three. That's good. It's a good reign. Veteran yeah. guy, great record. I wouldn't be surprised if they ran yeah, it back. Personally, see, I don't want it to be ran back. Dominic has, the, Dominic has this weird thing against Bellator where he thinks that all they do is rematches when I really think that they don't do any more than the But UFC it's a point does. of discussion we have every time that there's <laughs> but, a title. Okay, okay, okay. The, <laughs> I wish we didn't but, even have to ask the question. I guess. You well, know? I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. No, I mean, it's not your fault. Like that's just the way. I'm it is. the I'm the one with the microphone, so you can shut up. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't want to. The reason. <laughs> I don't think you give an immediate rematch here. Yeah. Thank you. If the fight was more competitive, that's one thing. Yeah. But this would be like giving Tyron Woodley an immediate rematch when he lost to Kamara Usman. That's how I. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good comparison. Yes. And, you know, nobody was clamoring for that. I think the reason why you might see more people do it with Bellator Dom is because Johnny Evelyn was kind of this surprise guy for a lot of people. A lot of people weren't. He wasn't on a lot of people's radar, and he came in here and won. While Gegard Mousasi remains probably one of the biggest names in the division for Bellator. So it's like, well, what's more appealing? Do you do a title fight with Fabian Edwards? Or Anatoly Tolkov, who also had a big performance on his guard. Or do you run it back with the proven guy who's been a champion? You know, I think that's maybe why we get a lot of that with Bellator, because there is a lot of that. Because once you get outside the top couple names, you start to lose a a drop off name value. Yeah. But again, I would I think that the the next fight Really, you can't go wrong if you do Fabian Edwards or Anatoly Tokov. I think both those guys have uh, yeah have cashed their ticket. Um, I would I would say uh, Fabian Edwards had that great win against uh, Leota Machida at the last yep. uh, Bellator event, I believe. So um, you can't go wrong, but I definitely think you stray away from a rematch. You know, let Gegard go fight maybe the guy who doesn't get the title fight of those two. That'd be a great fight for a card right right i I like that i do um anything else before we move on pfl no a couple more bellators later but yeah 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 yeah. more bellator to come pfl week five well this one got a little crazy (laughs) pfl no way so you had the heavyweights and the featherweights uh everybody trying to to get their playoff spot here dom we also had one lightweight fight because i know dominic loves that right um so I guess I'll just go down what our final standings are for heavyweight and featherweight, and I guess lightweight, <laughs> and we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, right? who's fighting who? Yeah, yeah. So at heavyweight, 
Number one seed, Dennis Goltsov. Finished with 11 points, I believe. I believe he had uh, two finishes yeah. across his two fights. He'll be taking on last season's champion, Bruno Capeloza, in their first-round matchup. I believe this is a matchup that's happened before, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, Bruno, of course, run rough shot. Unfortunately, lost in the main event here against Matthias Scheffel, who will not be making an appearance in the playoffs. But that's 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 I'm okay with that one because points wise, it just didn't add right. up. But right. um, Bruno going to be looking to kind of bounce back after a pretty just deflating performance against Scheffel. Very, um, but just very un-Bruno like, you know. So yeah, yeah. Be interested to see how that one goes, and then. Our number two seed, Ante D'Elia, the runner-up from last season, who had that amazing fight with Bruno mm-hmm. in the championships. He has taken on the monster 6'8 behemoth number three seed, Henan Fajera, who I was really excited about. I was really starting to buy into him. He had two of the fastest finishes in PFL history, right? The, yep. The two yep. fastest. Yeah, 25 uh, and 31 seconds. Yeah, so... <laughs> He had looked like an absolute monster. He's six foot eight. I mean, the dude's just a nightmare. Yeah. But then in his matchup uh, Friday with Clids and Abreu, uh, he had Oof. nothing. Had nothing. nothing. I mean, that was talk about a devastating loss. Yes. That, yeah. That one. Whew, and we'll have some more to talk about with that because just to be clear, Hennon Fajera ended up with the same amount of points as Clinton Abreu. Clinton Abreu had two decision victories that gave him six points. Hennon Fajera went one and one, one first round knockout, six points. Yep. Tied in the in the standings, they were tied. But Hennon Fajera had the tiebreaker, even though Clinton Abreu beat him head to head. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? PFL is its own worst enemy, but we'll talk about that. Lightweight. Anthony Pettis, still your number one seed. <laughs> yep. Despite losing in the co-main here via submission to Stevie Ray, who he's going to fight <laughs> in the first round of the playoffs. I'll be curious to see how that rib heals up yep. for Anthony Pettis, if he'll even be available for the playoffs. True. But that's got to be a big story now. That fight's instantly been elevated due to what happened here. Anthony Pettis looked great early, but Stevie Ray – Able to get the back, able to get the body lock. Yep. Pop that rib a la Dustin Poirier, Anthony mm-hmm. Pettis back in the day. Dominic being very uh, good at his observation there. <laughs> yep. Um, so that fight elevated a little bit. And you still get Olivier Aubin Mercier and Alexander Martinez. That's a great fight. Yeah, that's a good one. That's Two good versus one. three. Unfortunately, Rosh Manfio out <sighs> yep. this season. I, Stevie I, did just, what he had to do. He yeah. did. I will admit, as a Rosh Manfio guy, I'm a little disappointed that we don't get to see him and Anthony Pettis running it back in the first round. would have been a lot of fun. But Stevie Ray gets to win. He deserves to be in there. So Mm -hmm. Uh, Then Featherweight, Chris Wade, who has really shined, I think, here and really just this season. He'll be taking on Brendan Lochname. I love that fight. You know, we all love Brendan Lochname, but didn't have – like he he got two decision victories to get him the four spot, and really both of them like you kind of blink and miss it fights like not right. much Very to take much. away. So for the playoffs, I'm really expecting Brendan to kind of step his game up here. He really had to go earn that title or that uh, playoff spot. 
Yeah. And uh, now he really does need to step it up just to make do on the promise that he's shown really up to this point. Yep. Also, number two seed, Rio Jikudo. Oh, my God. Probably the moment of the night, the knockout he had uh, against Alejandro Flores, who coming into this had one of the top four spots, um, just put him out with an – I mean, that right hand had vicious intent behind it. Just very vicious. And he'll be taking on Bubba Jenkins, the number three seed. So I'm actually really excited for these featherweight top four. Very, yes. The lay of the land makes a little more sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm more just, I like the way it's shaped up for their top four. Yeah. Uh, But as far as this event itself, Dom, Matthias Scheffel gets the unanimous decision win over Bruno Capaloza. Stevie Ray, second round submission over Anthony Pettis. Clidson Abreu with the unanimous decision win over Hennon Fajera. And of course, we had those some of those knockouts and performances under on the. I believe that'd be the prelims. Uh, Chris Wade, I think, was the main card fight. But Chris Wade TKOing Kyle Bochniak about a minute ten seconds in with a head yeah. kick. Yeah. Rio Jacuto with that one punch KO of Alejandro Flores. Brendan Lochnane getting a decision win over Ago Huskick. Huskick. Something like that. Um, so lots of fights, lots of performances, a lot of underdog wins here. Kind of yeah. what stood out to you most? You know, again, I'm going to, it can be a positive reaction you had to a certain fight or fighter, or maybe someone who really disappointed you when the lights shine bright here looking for that playoff spot. I mean, maybe I'll just do one of each, right? I think yeah. the biggest standout mm-hmm. to me was Chris Wade. For him to go out there and get a finish like that, a guy that's like known for decisions, but like hard fought, like good fights that he's in. I really like the fight with Lance Palmer that he had to start the season yeah, yeah. earlier this year. Uh, but for him, like I told Noah this off recording, that performance by Chris Wade and Ryoji Kudo, kudos to both of them, no pun intended there. <laughs> they both went out and looked for finishes. They wanted to solidify their place in the playoffs, and that's what they deserve. Now they're number one and number two. Could even find a matchup against each other in the finals. But Chris Wade more specifically, but both fantastic finishes. Noah, you were the guy that pointed this stat out to me that I didn't know. Going into this week, every matchup prior in the featherweight division was all decisions. And still, those were the only two that went out and got a finish. Those are the two guys that deserve the most credit, I think, in this division. The disappointment, man, like, Part of me wants to go <laughs> Capaloza, but the other part of me wants to go Hen and Fajera. I'm probably going to go Hen and Fajera. Yeah, that was that was tough, man. To yeah. to just really get dominated like that, not have any answers, copy paste rounds one through three, so long and just so much bigger. You would just think that he would find a way to stay up, but he just couldn't do it against Abreu. And once down there, helpless, yeah. couldn't do anything to get off of his back. Um, so it's tough. And you know, shout out to Clitz and Abreu got a huge win. He doesn't make the playoffs, unfortunately, but. That's a huge underdog win. We put out a tweet regarding some of the dogs that were getting victories at Bellator and PFL. Big ones, by the way. If any of you hit on those, let us know. That would have been a good payday. But yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Hen and Fajera. That's that's disappointing. But he's still in the playoffs. Still an opportunity to make it right. So the odds on, I believe, the top four heavyweight fights all went to decisions. And I believe if you had parlayed those to go the distance, oh boy, it was like a plus. <laughs> 80,000, like <laughs> yeah. something crazy. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was insane. Um, yeah, you got – Hennon Fajera was just a huge dud for me on this card. I mean, the Bruno ones caught me by surprise for sure. 
But once I, th- I feel like maybe it was because it happened after we had seen Henry yeah. Cajera and Anthony yeah. Pettis lose, where I was like. Well, oh, shit. <laughs> no surprise anymore. <laughs> yeah. The Hennon Fajero one really caught me off guard. I mean, Clinton Abreu is a good opponent, and he yes. proved that. He's got, I mean, he went 2 0 this season. Yeah. Which adds again to my frustration with the PFL. As much as I like the PFL, dare I say, they're probably my second favorite promotion outside the UFC. I probably like them a little bit more than Bellator. Mm, that's a good discussion. <clears throat> It is. I've been. I've had that inner dialogue in my brain for for a while, just kind of comparing, contrasting. But if, as much as I like, I just said that they're my second favorite promotion, but they're also like the promotion I hate the most out of all three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because nobody is a bigger enemy to the PFL than the PFL itself. Yeah. They just they do certain things that just make you scratch your head and go like, why? Like, why would you have it, Dom, in your rules to where, like, why wouldn't you make a head-to-head matchup worth the most in terms of a tiebreaker? Like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I know there's something about, so one of the, one of the, there was someone who did a lot of digging into this, and I appreciate them, and I wish I had their name, but I don't. Because it was not just Clinton Abreu and Hennon Fajera that tied with six points. I believe Bruno was also a tie in there because he's fourth. So I guess it was a three-way tie for the three yeah. and four seed in the playoff. And apparently since Clinton Abreu didn't beat both Capaloza and Fajera, that that meant the head-to-head tiebreaker did not did not uh, give him the edge. Like, it went to the next tiebreaker. I think that's Which I'm going to assume was something about knockouts because Clinton Abreu, two decision victories. But listen, man, like, that's actually such a good point that Bruno had the same amount as well. So I'm guessing Hennon got three over Bruno because his finish came quicker, yes. right? Yes. So to be truthful, you could justify Bruno not getting in and Clinton Abreu getting in over him even – but to be honest with you, I know that they prioritized the finish. I understand that. But Hannon and Bruno went one and one. Clitson went two and oh. Yeah. He didn't lose. Like <laughs> that's bullshit. That's man. so crazy to me that like yeah. you tie like if you I, don't I, lose and the guys you're tied with lost, I don't care if they got a finish. Like I, I remember lose. I remember really being happy that they were emphasizing finishes so much. But I just feel like something went wrong in the rules. Something's here. gotta give eventually. I mean like you can't just keep people out who are, like, beating the people who, yeah, they might have a 20-second knockout, but then they get absolutely decimated their next time out. I want to yeah. see the best fight the best. Yeah. And these playoffs should illustrate that. Yeah. But they're not really doing that, I feel like, right now. So, Clitz heavy... and Ray should be the three seed, and Hendon Fair should be the four seed, and Bruno yeah. shouldn't be in. That's You're completely right. Which is Could you imagine if Bruno <laughs> didn't make the playoffs? That would have been crazy. Wow. Dude, dude, I but didn't even like what... recognize all that till we're sitting here now, and I'm just like exploding, like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. It's 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 wild. That, that it makes the heavyweight playoffs look like a bit of a crapshoot right yeah. now. Yeah, um, I, I think lightweight and featherweight are a little bit better. Yeah, Anthony Pettis as the one seed is kind of weird because featherweight's lost. the cleanest one. Featherweight's the one. I'm like, thank God, like someone's holding holding up the yeah. their end of the deal here. Um, yeah. Whew. Let's talk about Anthony Pettis because now he's yeah. moved to one and three inside of the <laughs> yep. EFL Smart Cage. I'm curious um, 
you kind of said if he lost here that you feel like that would kind of mark the even though like I I said even with the loss he's in the playoffs right and like truthfully I didn't know what kind of motivation he would have here because of that like are you going to play it safe because you kind of have your spot locked up and a million dollars is pretty important or is he really going to go for it well, it looked like he went for it pretty well because I mean, round one he looked really good. He looked good. Kicks. Yeah. Um, then crazy things kind of happened, you know. Right. I will say, like, it's not just a freak accident that you kind of pop your rib. I mean, he got his back taken by Stevie Ray, and it happened kind of easily. Yeah. Which was a bit surprising. Um, your thoughts on Anthony Pettis as he kind of moves forward here? You know, is there a silver lining to the at the at the end here, or do you feel like this is truly just another example of that Anthony Pettis is maybe just not Anthony Pettis anymore? Yeah, I'm very close to that. I coming in again, I was a little bit aggressive, and I'm sticking to it. But Pettis didn't go out and lose, in which the way that I like talked about it on Thursday, he lost with kind of the injury. But again, to Stevie Ray's credit, he locked in an insanely tight body. Uh, triangle and you have to think that plays into factor because the same thing happened to Pettis with Dustin Poirier with an insanely tight body triangle. That boy got so, some weak ribs. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's the case. So I still like there's still a small glimmer for Pettis to whereas if he would have went out there, lost a three round decision, got knocked out, whatever the case. But it's still man, like he is one and three at the end of the day. That was my huge narrative on Thursday and I'm not backing down from it. I think Stevie Ray I, I, you know, honestly, I love that it is kind of worked out to where they're rematching. To be truthful, I yeah. think that's that works out good. It for anyone that maybe be like, oh, it was like a freak injury a, a little bit. So now you get to see it ran back. Yeah. Ah, but I do have a hard time thinking Pettis can make it all the way and win this thing. I do. Mm-hmm. I still have my. Uh, precautions with yeah him. i mean if he's gonna like i right now favor alvin mercier or the alexander martinez over yeah. pettis yeah and uh, honestly like oam probably would be the top of the four i believe just because his yeah. performances have been like the cleanest throughout for six yeah. rounds but yeah i mean look i i'm i was a little less uh aggressive i guess than you about anthony pettis like it kind of again i was taking into account that this fight really didn't mean that much. Right, because he was in him. regardless. But I will say, if he has to get taken out of the playoffs due to this injury... That's tough. All of a sudden, the narrative changes a little bit. Yeah. Because right now, I look at it like he's going to shot at redemption. Right. He's going to face Stevie Ray first-round matchup. And that could be... I mean, I favor Anthony Pettis right now in, their, in a second matchup with Stevie Ray. I do. But if he gets taken out, all of a sudden it's like, man, yeah, yeah, you know, very. One, now all of a sudden you have to look at the one and three in the PFL, and there ain't much of a silver lining. And even if he does go to playoffs, if he goes to the playoffs and loses, like whether it's to Stevie Ray or yeah. in a championship match with OAM or Alexander Martinez, then all of a sudden you have to kind of stare at it again, where it's like then he's two and four, and it's like, well. And he can't get it, you know, reach that title. Yeah. All of a sudden, it just it feels like Anthony Pettis just needs to win out, or else he is yeah. kind of in our in my mind. I'm going to have kind of that yeah. compromised view of his future, you know, in, in this company. I would agree. I would. 
So a lot of pressure on him for playoffs. So that adds oh, yeah. big storylines, you know. And that's what oh, we, yeah. that's what we like, you know. So very much. We'll see. We'll see. Um, the playoffs, I believe, are happening, and I think they'll do them in August. August, August September. or early September. Playoffs later. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Let's move on to the fight announcements, Dominic. We're actually going to start with the PFL this this coming Friday. Oh, yeah. Our main event for the PFL six. Kayla Harrison originally supposed to take on Julia Budd, the former. Bellator women's featherweight champion, but she is out of that fight. Caitlin Young stepping in, who I believe has a record of 12, 12, and 1. Yep. Been there for a long time. She's been around for a while, yep. uh, to her credit. But uh, Dominic, scale of 1 to 10, what's your level of disappointment with Julia Budd being out of this fight? <laughs> the, the, the immediate message I sent Noah when I saw this announcement, because we already thought it was like a miss that they didn't schedule Kayla and bud first like as the first matchup mm-hmm. then it got worse because they scheduled it second which is better than never but bud lost her first matchup so that already put a damper on it and now she's out of the fight so i'm like fuck man um so yeah i mean interest wise not super excited you said one to ten being ten like this is the best fight ever probably well, like a two no well that's not what oh well what was the I, scale i i need to stop asking you scale questions you're allergic to scale questions because you either don't answer them you said something or, about one to ten yeah i said what's what's the disappointment level oh. with julia bud being taken out like because oh, again sorry. she did lose her first round matchup but we had we had kind of been wanting this matchup because yeah. it felt like julia bud was a step above a lot of these women's lightweights yeah, so I, a disappointment level that they didn't book it as the first fight was a 10, and then they booked it as the second fight, but it was like a 7 because it wasn't as hype. And now that she's out completely, I got to be at like a 3. Yeah, look at that. Dominic answered more than I even asked him. So. That's right. That's right. Um, and, you know, I knew that the haters were going to be coming out for this one. Noah. They had a field day on Twitter, and that's what I expected. Oh, can Crusher Kayla, yada, yada, yada. She don't make... She, uh, she didn't but request this. She to just happen. shows up. She just she shows just up. shows up. But you know, so whatever. Haters are gonna hate. That's fine. It's unfortunate for Kayla. She doesn't get to fight a name like Julia Bud. I will say though, if she goes out and doesn't get like a finish, because she had you know it was a relatively lackluster fight in her first one. Honestly, she may even need a finish. I don't know how the rest of the standings are playing out, but if she gets another decision, I don't know if it's even a guarantee. That's kind of crazy which is, when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, so I think there is a lot of pressure on Kayla uh, to just really go out here, get a finish, get a finish early, because on paper, a 12-12-1 opponent, that's probably what she should do, right? So. Dude, Kayla, if Kayla missed the playoffs for Dude, the PFL, you got to figure they'd find a way to. They just find a way. Yeah, with their uh, someone all they, someone all of a sudden one of those four top lightweights they'd all of a sudden go go down with an injury. And... What when we preview Thursday, we'll have the standings kind of up and we'll see because I know yeah. that there were a couple finishes and Kayla didn't. So yeah, that's interesting, Dom. Uh, next one. We have a couple for UFC 276 also happening. Damn it, these are all announcements <laughs> in a row. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Lauren Murphy versus Misha Tate off of the main card of UFC 276. And then Bobby Green is unfortunately out versus Jim Miller. But, but yeah. Cowboy Cerrone stepping in on short notice. Uh, he, July 2nd, UFC 276. This is supposedly going to be Cowboy's last fight. It's a rematch with Jim Miller, a fight he yeah. won the first time out. 
Uh, these two fight denouncements, Dom, which one hurts a little more? I mean, I guess, you know, one of them got saved with Cerrone. But just the fights themselves, Bobby Green, Jim Miller, Lauren Murphy, Misha Tate, which fight are you more disappointed in? <laughs> I'm more disappointed in Green versus Jim Miller. I think that was going to be a really cool fight between two savvy vets. But again, Donald steps in. It's a rematch many, many years in the making. They're doing it at 170. Because I know originally they were like, well, Donald didn't want to cut all that weight again. Now it's at 170, so it's not as bad. So that's good. I don't know how that benefits Jim Miller, though. Jim Miller's like a pretty pure 155-er, so Donald's going to look pretty big in that. Anyway, it sucks we get Lauren Murphy and Misha Tate. That's the second time that's been moved off of a card. Lauren Murphy pulled for undisclosed reasons. They were looking for a short-notice replacement for Misha. doesn't look like it's going to happen because the fight is in six days. I think the front runner for that is to do it on July 16th, Long Island on ABC. That card's already That's super crazy. stacked for that card, which is really cool. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, Bobby Green, Jim Miller, that stinks. That was it might it might have messed up person because I don't care about Misha Tate. I figured you didn't care too much about that being off. So well, you're gonna tell me you do. Uh, probably just more than you, but yeah, not much. Right. I, Misha Tate was the one I wanted to go bowling with, so, you know, come on. <laughs> so she could give you relationship advice. Right, right. <laughs> Man, how far we've come. Yeah. Uh, one FC announced their next featherweight title fight. Hey, now, come on. One one sixty on August 26th, we'll see Thon Lee taking on Tong Kai. I hope I said the, that name right. That was good. Um, he's the number one contender. I did look that up in their rankings. Again, don't know a ton about some of these guys right. that are going to be fighting. But Thon Lee, guy that's looked really good stud. for one. Yeah, yeah, an absolute stud. Even though he is, like, what, 37? Mm-hmm. 36, mm-hmm. something like that? He's older. So, very intriguing title fight. I'm just going to be excited to have, like, a pretty big one card back so we can, you know, just more content for us to watch. You know? Yeah, the, well, that's that big weekend for them. They're going back-to-back, double-headers. Mm-hmm. And they start the Amazon deal with Demetrius Johnson the oh, following day. Okay, so cool. That that's going to be just it's a big weekend in general, but another title fight oh, added. See, I'm glad you knew that because I did not. So yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's get into the tidbits. I tidbits still love for... that you called it this. I love it. <laughs> so uh, speaking of baseball, Dom Arizona Diamondbacks <laughs> <laughs> from like 20 minutes ago, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Arizona Diamondbacks uh, had a game the other day and Sugar Sean O'Malley threw out the first pitch and Dominic, it was an absolute zinger. Nice. Uh, I didn't see it. That's two tidbits in a row. Oh, my God. I did go back and watch Darren Wynn's video, though, and that was funny as shit. Oh, Oh, okay. Well, go ahead and paste that into last episode so we can put your reaction in there. Yeah. Yeah. So then next episode, when you see the Sean O'Malley first pitch, we can put your reaction. We'll be previewing his fight. Right. Yep. Yep. Well, that's true, too. Look, it was a look. He put Conor McGregor to shame. I'm just going to put it. Like that. <laughs> that was the guy. I remember that. All one. of a sudden, the people were asking, you know, is Sean O'Malley better than Conor McGregor? Well, at throwing a first pitch, yes. Good. Good for Sean O'Malley. Sugar. Hey, Jim, I mean, he's been doing the basketball celebrations. He's just a jack of all trades. Now he needs to do like a baseball. Like throw. <laughs> he said the clock hit like 9,000 miles per hour or something like that. So. He's just bringing back uh, Randy Johnson vibes, huh? Former Diamondback pitcher. <laughs> yeah, yep, there you go. My my favorite baseball player of all time. So yeah. Nice reference. Jimmy Rivera. Hmm. This was one I forgot. Sir uh, boy. You remember yeah. Jimmy Rivera, former top 10 perennial uh, 
bantamweight top 10. <laughs> it's an interesting way to explain him. Yeah. A guy who had won like 20 fights in a row. Yeah. Uh, something crazy. We sat by his family at UFC 203 yeah. in Cleveland. Uh, became really good friends with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had signed a deal, I forgot about this, with BKFC, Dom, and he made his debut over the weekend, and he got he went to a majority draw in his first time out. Uh, are you impressed by uh, Jimmy Rivera? Uh, the, he is a pretty much known for just his wrestling. He goes out, he decides to go sign with the sport where you <laughs> yeah. can't use that, and uh, goes to a majority draw his first time out. Better than a loss, I guess, right? I mean... He was uh, the fourth, I believe he was the fourth fight from the top. I saw I saw the card okay. and I was like, huh. I was like, man, they're putting Jimmy kind of low on I know, typically when they get like these UFC guys, they'll put them relatively high. This, on this, this card had that rematch. It was some women's fight that they had had. Uh, Britton Hart, you remember? Oh, yeah. Kind of crazy. Fight that, uh, yeah, who was that? Oh, she was fighting that girl who fought in the UFC. Uh, well, she fought Paige. Yes, but it was someone else. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. With all the tattoos, yeah, she's she got recently married to another former UFC fighter who's in BKFC, and I can't remember. It's not that Pearl big Gonzalez. Big. No, <laughs> not it. No, not at all. You also said that name really fast too. I thought way. she fights in BKFC. Kennedy Chikwani. Um, anyways. <laughs> Uh, UFC 276, by the way, their prelims are going to be simulcast on ABC, Dom. So it's going to be the first time ABC showing off pay-per-view prelims. Is this something that we should expect more often? I I think so. I think it'd be really cool. I like that they're doing this. They're really making International Fight Week feel huge this year. Mm -hmm. It is kind of like their first one back because, like, they did it last year, but it was still a little weird. This one was last year. Was last year's Dabu Dabi UFC 267? Yeah, like, they didn't really have like an event you know yeah. like in vegas because they're I mean, doing they did the pool parties and yeah. stuff but yeah it wasn't the same so, so uh, they're really going all out and good on them and abc well, it's big because they're doing the prelims on abc and then july 16th is the abc card uh with in long island with with uh, mm-hmm. ortega and rodriguez so i i want it to be more commonplace so yeah i love it yeah i will say after last after saturday's card that had the prelims on ESPN two and then uh, main card on ESPN. Let's please have a better paced prelims than what we got Saturday. I mean, I had to tweet it out on our on our blow I, I saw that. Twitter. Dominic, I, you had to agree a little bit. I mean, I know you don't like to criticize your 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 baby boys at the UFC, but yeah. you have to you have to agree a little bit. I mean. We, I was sitting there about to doze off in between fights. I'm like, how many Saryukian Gamrot <laughs> fucking hype videos can you get on one? I'm already watching the card. Just yeah. get it on. Get it on. Come on. Yeah. It was, it, it was one of those times. It was Beck Rawlings, by the way. I had to go back. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh but she has fought Pearl Gonzalez. They fought last year in November. Okay. Anyways. Anyways. Back to, sorry. I was looking that up while you were talking. Um, what was the question? Oh my god, <laughs> Chris Cyborg! Oh, the prelim pacing, it? prelim pacing. Sorry, dude, I was so dead set on finding out who that fight was. BKFC, because I love BKFC so much. It was, okay. it was slow. It was slow. It wasn't great. But when there's first round finishes, like that's just the problem, I guess. Because they book 
three hours. I think three hours for six, six fights, fights is a bit much because that's two much. fights an hour. Yeah. But what if they all go to the decision? You know what I mean? So like they have to schedule if that were the case. That's why I'm saying I but, don't love it when we have our prelims on, even though I know it's good for business to have them on like a network. It just makes me worried. And that's why yeah. seeing ABC is going to have them. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> We're going to have 30 minutes between fights again. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's going to be, what, 8 to 10. So two hours for four fights. So we'll see. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Shit, dude. <laughs> ABC fucking just get I just want to see John Anik and them and them uh, jackets with the logo on them. Okay, last one. Chris Cyborg. The Bellator Women's Featherweight Champion. We, we, we've been kind of, you know, we've been talking a lot about what her next fight might be. Kat uh, Zingano, who won on Friday night, we've been mentioning as the guy, the girl that we think she should be fighting next. Well, yeah. Dominic, she's not even thinking MMA. Yeah. She is in talks with Katie Taylor. For a December boxing super fight. Are you in on this? I'm in. I'm in. This is sick. I'm actually really in on this. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, not going to run it back because Amanda Serrano is uh, the co-main on that Jake Paul card in uh, yeah, August. August. And I forget who she's boxing, but some, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. But um, since they're not running that fight back immediately, I mean... For Katie Taylor, this would be huge to get a Chris Cyborg fight. I mean, oh yeah, and you know, again, you have to favor the boxer pretty heavily. But dare I say, I have like I give Chris Cyborg a better chance in this fight than like Connor against Floyd. Oh yeah, and Francis against Tyson Fury. Yeah. You know, like I actually give her a pretty decent shot. Like yes. I'm actually intrigued to watch this. Yeah, very much. You were probably surprised I was so on board. I bet just a little, maybe not. A little bit. I mean, I know you, you kind of hate boxing, which is, you know, very weird. But, I just um, don't watch boxing. <laughs> the, guy loves one, MMA, the guy loves MMA, but he hates boxing, which is weird. I just, I watch that one. I would watch that one. Yeah, there you go. See? So it's working. Yeah. yeah. Big, I, I, I'm, would you, okay, now here's a question. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This is going to test your MMA. Uh, it's going to test if you're truly ride or die MMA guy here. What fight would you rather see next? Chris Cyborg, Katie Taylor, boxing, Chris Cyborg, Kat Zingano. Oh, God. Uh, Don't you lie. Don't you fucking lie for a second. Well, then I have to stick to my MMA guns then. I was going to try and make you... You... There's no way you would rather see her and Zingano next. I mean, yeah, probably You are so full of shit. It's amazing. It's amazing. Look, I'm I'm not gonna beat you down because I can tell that that hurt you a little bit. Well, I thought you were expecting me to say MMA and then say you're insane, you're crazy. Why don't you just say what you feel? Because instead of trying to guess what I think you're gonna say, Cyborg Katie Taylor is way more exciting. Was that so hard? You just ripped the bandaid off. That did feel good. I felt like a literal weight lift off my shoulders. <laughs> Well, that's I'm just for... <laughs> convinced. Bellator doesn't want that fight anyway, so it's that's okay. it for tidbits, everybody. So, uh, yeah. Well, look, they'll well, probably let it happen though because they they let MVP uh, do oh, yeah. KFC. So. No, I meant like her and um, Cat. They just don't seem to want to do. Oh so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get into the rest, and we'll start with the UFC again. Umar Nurmagomedov. 
Uh, made pretty easy work of Nate Manis from Kentucky. Okay. Uh, Umar, I think, only allowed one significant strike. So those are some Hamzat-like numbers Holy there. Shit. Um, how do you grade Umar and Magomedov's performance here? B B plus. A an mm. A would have been a finish, uh, but he looked unstoppable. Yeah. He just he just he looked great. Yeah, I mean, you know it's it's he looked great, but he didn't really do anything like. I mean, I could tell he was trying to get a finish, but Nate Manis, I think that showed maybe how good Nate Manis is too, that defensively speaking, he was very uh, smart and kind of like, even though he was completely outmatched on the ground, he also didn't really allow Umar to get too many, um, too much offense off. So more power to him. Umar's a problem. His leg kicks are, are not leg kicks. His kicks are just, so fast. I mean, you saw the one that landed flush oh. on the chin. And Nate you just almost, ate it, dude. Well, you almost like, like I wouldn't have, like I believe the commentary caught it, but I almost didn't even see it. I was like, wait a minute, did that land? It was so fast. Like he was just so fast. So he's a real problem here. Unranked bantamweights. I mean, just I was looking up like who's unranked and bantamweight, featherweight, and lightweight last night. And I mean, I can't insane. even imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, Chris Curtis. Getting a hard fight, unanimous decision win over Hadolfo Vieira. What do you think? Great performance. Way better than I expected. Um, 20 takedown attempts for Vieira. 20 stuffed yeah. takedowns for Chris yeah. Curtis. In his three UFC fights, no, he's 26 of 26 on takedown defense. Wow. He was piecing up uh, Vieira on the feet. To Vieira's credit, much better looking on the feet than his previous UFC fights. Gas tank. Still bad, but better. Oh, yeah, and, he did slow down, but I yeah. also, I mean, it might have been just the body work. Too, body that, work was chef's kiss. It right? wasn't near as bad as Alexander, like, Fluffy Hernandez. Hernandez. Yeah, yeah. I forget Fluffy's first name. Is it Alexander? It's not Alexander. Anthony Anthony Hernandez, Hernandez. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought Chris Curtis looked great here. Uh, he probably... Like, if he really wanted to, he may have been able to get a finish, but I think he was very aware of Adolfo yes. Vieira's takedown. So if you got a little over, if you overextended just a bit, all of a sudden he does get taken down. So yep. you have to walk away very impressed with the takedown defense, the body work. And for Vieira, I thought Vieira's striking was much better than I had oh, ever yeah. seen. Oh yeah! Like he was popping uh, Chris Curtis with the jab quite a mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. It didn't. It didn't hold up. And obviously, I think while I I give him props for that, and I'm actually impressed with the striking. I also on the other end was very like disappointed in his takedowns. Like he, they were very telegraphed. Um, yes, Chris Curtis had amazing takedown defense, but like after the first few tries at Vieira just really the takedowns were not near as smart or they became very desperate yeah so I still don't really know what Adolfo Vieira's future is in in the UFC I don't know what kind of ceiling he has but a very interesting matchup for anybody a bit of a middleweight he's a big middleweight too like he's huge he's huge yeah so he I I wanted coming in I was prepared to call him like a middleweight Damian Maya but he's really not his striking's better but he also seems to have a harder time getting the fight to the ground. Like, he's just, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting one. By the way, Chris Curtis needs a ranked fighter next, too. Yeah, I feel like we say that a lot each week about certain guys, and it just doesn't seem to happen. But, I yeah. mean, look at the three wins. 
Phil Halls, Brendan Allen, uh, Adolfo Vieira. Those are all three very credible names. And uh, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. Be, I would definitely like to see him get someone like that next. What a career for that guy, man! Yeah, so interesting. interesting. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Alberg had a lot of fans in the stands, including two guys that will be defending their titles next Saturday, Israel Asanya and Alexander Volkanovsky. And they saw him get the quick minute, 15 second TKO of Tafan and Chukwi. Dominic Carlos Alberg, yes, he had that stumbling, <laughs> he had that stumble moment out the gate against Kennedy and Chikawani, but. Um, <laughs> It seems like he's bounced back here. Do you think he has quite a bit of potential uh, to maybe make a run in the UFC? Oh, I think I think he does have a relatively high ceiling. He's with an insane camp, obviously, with City Kickboxing. Um, and he's just clean. He's long. He's rangy. Physically very gifted, very strong. Um, and that was just, you know, he started that with a very kind of like in between a hook and a jab, like a mixture with his left hand. It was a very impressive shot that wobbled to find. Then he just went in for the kill, man. So he's got power. He's got technique and precision, much like his counterparts in the stands. So, yeah, I, I think I, I very much believe in his potential. I'm starting to believe in it more. This was like the performance that really put it all together. Yeah. Against Kennedy, he like was very aggressive out the gate, but he gassed. Yeah, because he couldn't get the finish, and then Kennedy kind of bounced, came back, and had that crazy comeback. Then against um, his next fight was against uh, Fabio Charant, bit of a dud, you know. And he he was very patient. Yeah, did enough to get the win, but like never really yeah. put it into a second gear. Here, I this was like yeah. a very good performance. Really put both the best of both together. It was only a minute fifteen seconds, but. Um, yeah, he's 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 still very green, but I definitely like what I'm seeing after this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last one for the UFC: Mario Bautista Woo. makes that back-to-back wins, gets the first round sub of Brian Kelleher, first round. So uh, Dominic Mario Bautista, another unranked bantamweight here. He seems to sandwich these uh, back-to-back wins with losses. So unfortunately, if you go off of the uh, yeah. What do you call it? The, the pattern. pattern. He he should lose his next fight, but you know I think Mario Bautista has a little bit of something. I don't know if he I don't know if he'll ever quite be like a top fifteen guy, but uh, I'm willing to see how far he can go. Yeah, to, to do that to Brian Kelleher so quickly, um, just that's that's still like a good. It's impressive. Solid. It's becoming a little less impressive because I think that's back to back first round Umar did losses. It and, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, that says a lot about the kind of matchups Brian Kelleher's taken on. He fights all the time against anybody, yeah. he's man. A, he's a, I mean, he is like 9-8 and eight in the UFC, but I, yeah. don't think, I, think his, I don't think he's fought a ranked fighter, like, ever. Like, yeah. I think, well, actually, he fought a current uh, one champion, uh, John Lineker. Oh, yeah. I feel John like he's Lineker always, like, on the cusp, you know? Like close to it, but well, not in not it. Any, not anymore, but yeah. maybe at one time. But yeah. uh, unfortunately, he just he's kind of a win one lose one fun fighter. Yeah, brings a lot out of these young guys. So I think that's kind of why the UFC value having him around. But I don't think he's really like a he's not really even close probably to the top right. fifteen anymore. Um, more Bellator to talk about. Danny Sabatello. Dom got the unanimous decision win over Leandro Higo. That means he'll be taking on Rafael Stotts for the interim Bantamweight title in the semifinals. What would you think of Sabatello here? He he talked a big game in the lead-up. 
do you think the performance lived up to what he kind of talked? Dude, Danny does what Danny does, man. I mean, he just he mauls opponents for five rounds. He's done it two times in a row now in these belt this Grand Prix. So I he does talk a big game. Super entertaining guy on the mic. Yeah. Him and Hafeon Stotts together is even more entertaining. <laughs> that lead up's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And they did, even it started, they brought him in the cage. Bellator still likes to do that. UFC used to do it a long time ago. Um, flips him off immediately. Hafeon hits his hand down. That's a sick fight. I think it's a really fun fight. I think it's high level fight when you look past all of the mm-hmm. shit talking that's going to go on. Uh, and I'm very much excited for it. Yeah. I'm leaning right now to where that feels like the real final. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't I, say that. No, I shouldn't say that because Magomed Magomedov, I think, deserves more credit than that. But I, Stotts did beat Magomedov, so I, I'm not sure if that how that matchup would go a second time. I won't say that. I I did say it, but I take it back. But Even not the you, cleanest of wins for Magomedov. Well, for Savatello, what I would say is he did face a little bit of adversity. I mean, he did take a round from him, and yeah. you know, but Savatello, for the most part, once he was really once the fight really kind of got into the later rounds, it was mostly a dominant performance, so yeah. good for him. Uh, Magomed Magomedov, as you were uh, alluding to, did have a pretty hard-fought victory over Enrique Barzola. Uh, round four submission. I was actually a little bit surprised at how much success Barzola had in this fight. Yeah. But then once the fight was over, and I was looking at Barzola's resume, I, I probably shouldn't have been, because... Yes, he's only ranked number 10 in Bellator, but this is a former UFC guy who yep. uh, had a pretty decent run in the UFC, has never been finished in his career. Yep. And then here he goes and loses via submission to Magomedov. So um, while this was a hard-fought win for Magomedov, I think it was a very quality win to add to his resume. That's, man, you really just, that sentence was so perfect description-wise. Um. Speaking of Anatoly Tokov, who we <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> who we said could be next for Johnny Eblen, well, he made a good case for it. Dom, he gets the TKO over Muhammad Abdullah. Who the fuck is that? Just Bellator's matchmaking, just yeah, I know, continuously not good, just raising the bar here. But he does completely dominate his opponent from pillar to post. Impressive performance. Yeah, very much so. He, I think he's fifth, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Fifth, in I believe Fabian's fourth. <sighs> Do we match him up, Noah? No, I think one of them gets the one shot. gets one, and one gets yeah. Yeager, like you said. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And now that I'm well, now because uh, Fabian was coming off of a losing streak prior to beating Lioto, Anatoly, riding a win streak? Question mark. Well, you're asking me this. I have Sherdog sure pulled up. I did. Well, I was looking up the Bellator rankings because I'm kind of curious yeah. um, about welterweight, or not welterweight, middleweight. So, Johnny Evelyn now going to be the champion. Gegard going to be number one. Number two, Austin Vanderford. Number three, John Salter. Fabian Edwards is actually tied for third. How do you like that? I fucking hate ties. Anatoly's <laughs> on an insane win streak. He should yeah. get the title fight. He's 32. Yeah, 30 yeah. and 2. He's undefeated in Bellator. So maybe you give Fabian Edwards, Gegard, or Vanderford. Although I think Vanderford and him fought already. I think that's a fight. Yeah, lost. they had. Yeah, that was a fight that. So got maybe lost you do Fabian Edwards, Gegard, Musasi, and then you do Tokov, Johnny Eblen for the title. 
30 and 2. 30 and fucking 2 undefeated in Bellator. Johnny Evelyn 12 and 0 now, so good stuff. Last one, Sabah Hamasi. Maybe the most exciting fighter you've never heard of. I know I've given that title before on this show. But he gets the first round, just under first minute KO of Makon Mendonca, which I love that name. <laughs> that is a cool name. But Dominic, that knockout was fucking brutal. Yeah, there were a couple of brutal knockouts this weekend between PFL and Bellator that they just get buried on the prelims yeah. that you don't get that don't get the credit they deserve. But we're never going to let them slide. Sabah Hamasi fought in the UFC for a while, but I remember him most from at least recently. He had an absolute war with uh, Paul Daly. Oh. Um, that was one of those fights where it, I can't remember if it got out of the first round. But if it didn't, it's like one of the best first round, one round fights yeah. like you'll ever see. Just an absolute war. That's all Sabah Hamasi does. Maybe against <laughs> what what the smart people would tell him to do. But man, right here that knockout, Mendonca went down. He went downka. <laughs> let's, I'm let's taking these on. off here. Let's, let's move to the below average bet slip. Oh, um, look! I said Dominic. I said don't let the Joes get hot. Did mm. I not? Did oh. I not warn people? You told them. You told now, them. Now, it's a bit of a limp dick ending because that main event really <laughs> did swing things a little bit. But we do come out positive three units. We are now back into the green for our 2022 standing. That's why you're actually seeing it. If it was red, we would not be showing it. <laughs> so, Dominic, your thoughts on kind of everything that took place? Was there anything that surprised you here? Um, well, you know what? Actually, I do want to talk about my plus one to five parlay. Tiago Moises, by the way, shout out to him. He came back yeah. and had a huge bounce back win that I expected him to have, but he did it just so much better. Um, got the submission win, one arm rear naked choke. But TJ Brown, fun fight with a Nerdon Beck. <laughs> Nerdon Beck, yeah. Nerdon Beck. Uh, great fight, super scrappy. I didn't know that he has a James Krause. He's got Bryce Mitchell in his corner down there from Arkansas. Just a fun, scrappy dude. Very hard-fought match, but I kind of, it was one of those that uh, I kind of texted when Tiago came on. I'm like, man, it's so disappointing, like, having a parlay, and then you already have lost it, but the second yeah. guy's about to fight. It stinks. So TJ, Bryn, uh, TJ went out on his shield. It was a fun fight. I can't be upset about it. That was kind of like my long shot one anyway, getting the plus money odds. So it's all right. And obviously the other parlay that Noah and I both missed – we had Armand, man, and uh, yeah, that's yeah. why I know I said the limp dick ending to the card and to the bet slip. Because did that did that add to a little bit of my robbery speak? Maybe I'll admit it, betting bias, maybe. But mm-hmm. I really did believe Armand Saryukin won that fight. No, Just, I do too. Yeah. You know, it's it's disappointing because we did have that was our biggest bet, two point four three units, just yeah. passing Chris Curtis. But uh, you know. We still ended up with a very positive week. It just it sucks because if we would have got that done, we would have had probably our biggest week ever. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely obviously a huge swing. Amanda Snermagomedov under two and a half. I was a bit surprised, but after a while, I just kind of knew, like, eh, shit. Manis is so tough, he's not going to get finished. Nurmagomedov's not overly doing it, especially with Habib in his corner telling him everything he needs to hear. So that's all right, but again... All that I can say is that there's no regrets in terms of the bets on the place for yeah. me personally, and that's all that I, that matters. I was actually a little surprised that your girl Vanessa Demopoulos got the the nod, so that was one that could have swung wildly the other yeah. way. Yeah, thirty twenty seven scorecard was terrible, but I 
could have seen it being 29-28. Yes. 30-27 yes. was bad, though. But yeah. I plus 2.2 units on that. Yeah, I, I, know, that's I think it's saying. my biggest money line hit that I've hit this year. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good one. It's yeah. very it's, – it's tough. And honestly, the MMA gods had to take away that parlay from us because we so – had the easiest play of all time, which was Bay's Durden to oh, dude. inside the distance or under two and a half rounds. I mean, yeah. plus money on those. That was the easiest, easiest plays of all yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Love that very much. Hey, look at the singles there. What is that? Six and two on the singles. So that's great. Yeah, and I mean, the Manus money line yeah. that was just kind of thrown out. Really, there. at six and one, let's be yeah. honest. So. Yeah, come on. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for, for this part of the show. Um, I want to remind everyone where they can find us on social media. <laughs> you said that so, like, disappointed. <laughs> uh, Twitter, Instagram, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast, as well as TikTok, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can also find Dominic on Twitter or Instagram, at Diesel14. And you can find myself on Twitter, Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. With that being said, Dominic, that is not how we end our shows anymore. That's right. We do it with a little closing statement. So as we head into the brand new week, fight hangovers kind of wearing off after we really let it all out here. We kind of like get in a sauna. That's what this. That's what these Monday shows feel like. They feel like <laughs> a little sauna after a, a tough night of drinking, you know. Yeah, yeah. So now that I'm feeling kind of refreshed, I'm feeling good. Got a lot off my chest here, but this is the part of the show where me and you can. Talk about anything and everything, MMA-related, non-MMA-related, just whatever's on our mind to send us into the new week. So, Dominic, what do you got on your mind for closing statements? First thing that came to mind, I get to help the wonderful newlyweds, our good friend JP and his wife, Rihanna. They're moving in to their first apartment uh, on Monday, so I get to help them out. He said, Dom, if you help me out, I'll cover your next round of golf. I said, huh. Say no more. I'm in, baby. So I'm going to help them move in. I'm very excited for them. They're starting this next chapter of their life. Also, JP, a supporter of the show, a close friend. Mm. I just had to give them some love here to close it out. Yeah, why do you say it so weird, though? You're like, say. <laughs> and that's all for the show today. No one gets no closing statements on today's show. You're like, my friend, JP, he. <laughs> It's, you say it like you're whispering sweet nothings in a, in a in a little mama's ear, you know. Maybe some people listen to us as ASMR. You <laughs> yeah, don't know. Your you know your voice with that slight country twang to it, I think is a great ASMR voice. I'll go right here in your. Well, me, I have my fucking mouth breather voice, like just not happening. <clears throat> what do you got? Statements. Come on. Look, dude, take it easy, all right? All right. All right. Closing statements. Closing statements. Um, you know, it, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to do a little bit of video editing. Only, not not to help our show, you know. <laughs> right. not, to help, not to help Dom out. <laughs> but just so I can make funny memes. <laughs> memes. I want to take videos. I want to put our faces on them. That, to just, be fair, like those can be used in the podcast, so it will in yeah, turn help. True. Don't worry. So I've been trying to learn, but it's really probably not that hard. It's just finding the right app or whatever to do yeah. it on. But I had this great idea. You know, it's kind of weird. Like after the last few weeks, where our betting and just like, I mean, I think my, uh, I think my testosterone level dropped like eighty percent just because <laughs> of our our lack of success in the betting world. Like I just felt like such less of a man each week. Yeah. 
and now that we've had these bounce backs, I'll admit, Dom, there was a part of me hoping that one of our bets didn't hit, only so that I could make <laughs> me this meme of the clip from Jurassic Park where he walks up and it's this big pile of shit. He goes, that is one big pile of shit. And I was going to just put the the bet right there. And I was so ready. And I was like, maybe I do it for the Nate Manis one. Didn't happen. Well, now I know it's in the back pocket. I did, I did find something to use it for. Again, I just have to learn how to like do it. Wait, and when you perfect it, we're going to skyrocket oh, on social media, yeah, on YouTube. Crazy. Yeah, I love it. Shout out to GC for the inspiration. That guy doesn't. He never Dude, misses. yeah, Connor Burks, what a yeah. beast. He Absolutely. does not does not miss, and he's my inspiration to try to get better at this. Yeah, no, and I just send his tweets back and forth and laugh at them like all day. Yeah, it's very great. true, very true. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here. I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Below Average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Thursday.